one of these things is hot, Brother William. That one's there. Don't y'all get nervous now. I'm not going to sing, okay? <laughs> That'd kill the meeting, wouldn't it, right there? And uh, I've been having some throat trouble, and I found out using one of these microphones. I mean, I don't know. I may look like Benny Hinn or somebody up here, but <laughs> it sure does help the throat. I don't know why that is. And uh, I've enjoyed, I tell you, I, I enjoy being here tonight, the presence of God. And I'm not a preacher that has to preach. I mean, I come, I come ready to preach every service, and I know Pastor knows that. But I'm just under the authority of the pastor. When I go to church, I believe that, and whatever God lays on His heart, that's what I want. And I sit back there and I said, Lord, if it's Your will for me to preach, You let the preacher know. And if not, I'm just, I mean, I'm just enjoying the singing and the testifying. And it's good to be where God is. Isn't right. that right? And uh, I tell you, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed this meeting, me and my wife have. Always do. I always look forward to uh, being with your pastor and his wife and being with you, dear folks. And whether it be camp meeting or revival meeting, I just love being here, love the presence of God. And uh, I know I'm going to eat good while I'm here. That's one yeah. thing. I tell you, if you leave this place hungry, you got serious problems, don't you? And uh, it's your own fault. But I tell you, good good food and good fellowship and then uh pastor gave me a knife today and so i feel like i'm well equipped amen i started not to take it i i'm not one of these preachers that just you know i'm not i'm not for what i can get out of people you know i i mean but uh i started not to take it because i mean that's a nice looking knife but he already put my name on it so i was like well i mean ain't nobody else gonna want that are they so and uh but i'm gonna carry that and every time i see him i'm gonna pray or every time i see it pull it out I'm going to pray for him and pray for North Spoon Baptist Amen. Church and just uh, remember that. And uh, I just thank God for each one of you, and I appreciate it. And I, I like this brother I met today. I mean, I haven't even known you 24 hours, and I like you. I just, I, isn't that something? I mean, he's just a good, uh, good, uh, good brother, and I've enjoyed fellowship with him and so many other people. I'm just going to preach a few minutes tonight. I thought that's on my heart, Second Samuel chapter 23, and I was praying about what God would have me to preach, and I was sitting there. I had two or three sermons on my on my heart. You know, the only thing worse than having nothing to preach is having too much. Amen. And uh, don't get nervous. I'm not going to preach all three of them tonight. I promise you that. But I said, Lord, just let me know uh, what you would have me to to preach. And they were singing one of those songs just a while ago and said something that just struck a chord in my heart. So if you're able to stand with us, Second uh, Samuel chapter 23, and we're going to look at verse number 20. Second Samuel chapter 23 and verse number 20. The Bible says in Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a violent man of Kabzeel, who had done mighty acts, done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in a time of snow. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a staff. And plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and had the name among three mighty men. Father, I pray tonight in Jesus' name 
God, that you'd add your blessings to the reading of thy word. I pray that you'd give us clarity of thought and mind. I ask you, Lord, to touch us tonight physically and spiritually. I pray that you'd speak to every heart. Help us, Lord, tonight to receive with meekness the, the grafted, engrafted word. And I pray, God, that we'd be obedient to you. And may you be pleased with our worship tonight. And, God, we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. For we do love you and we ask in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 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 You can be seated tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 23, if you look at verse number 1, uh, the Bible says here, Now these uh, be the last words of David. And David was certainly a great mighty man. If you go back to chapter 22, we'll not do that. Uh, but the Bible or talks about the song of David in chapter 22. And then in chapter 23, it talks about the soldiers of David. That's what chapter 23 is about, David's mighty men. Right. And then in chapter 24, it talks about the sin of David. And it reminds us that David was a spiritual man. He wrote at least 73 psalms of the, of the, of the Old Testament. Perhaps maybe wrote more, but 2 Samuel 22 would be his last psalm that he would write. It reminds us that he was a spiritual man. And then uh, uh, chapter 23 reminds us that David was a simple man, that David could not do what David did by himself. Amen. And you and I cannot serve God by ourselves, but we've got to help each we've got to have each other. Amen. I mean, this is a group effort tonight. No man is an island to himself, and no man can. Uh, win victories in and of himself and David was a spiritual man uh, but David was also a simple man he had to have the help of other mighty men in order to have the victory and then chapter 4, 24 reminds us that David was a sinful man that he was a sinner man that David like every other man was not perfect there's only been one perfect man right. and that's the God man the Lord Jesus Christ well <clears throat> when we come to chapter 23 uh, the Bible mentions uh, uh, David's mighty men and in verse number 9 and verse number 11 and verse number 13 uh, the Bible talks about three a day of David's mighty men the note uh, the notable three here it mentions Adino and then he talks about Eleazar and he talks about Shammah and Adino was known for his spear as he killed 800 men with just one spear and Eleazar was known for his sword as he fought and he won the victory until the sword uh, claimed to his right. hand. And then we know that Shammah was known for his stand as he stood in the middle of his pea patch uh, and he would not back up and he would not give right. in. And these are the notable three of David's mighty men. Uh, David is a picture of Christ. Amen. Uh, just as Jesus had his inner three, Peter, James, and John, uh, that inner circle, uh, David had his inner three, uh, Dino and Eliezer and Shammah. And then it be mentions uh, another, the next three mighty men that are mentioned here. Abishai is mentioned uh, and then he talks about this one that we've read tonight uh, by the name of Beniah. Amen. I mean when I think about these mighty men of chapter 23, I think about Adino as he's the leader that just would not back up. Amen. I mean when you got 800 men against you and he's still taking his stand, that's a mighty man. Right. I mean he wouldn't back up. And then we think about Elias 
scar, he's one that would not quit. Amen. I mean, even when his hand got weary and his flesh got weary and that sword clave unto him, he just trusted the sword to give him the victory. Amen. Hey, can I tell you tonight, that's what we got to do is just yep. trust the sword uh, uh, to give us the victory. Amen. Hey, you know what Eleazar proves? Uh, is as the songwriter said, the arm of the flesh will surely fail you, uh, but the word of God uh, uh, will always give us the victory. Amen. And then Shammah reminds us uh, of one that my friend uh, uh, just would not, uh, he wouldn't back up. Uh, the Bible said that he stood in the midst of that ground. Uh, I mean, he got right in the middle of it, and he said, I'm not giving the devil an inch. Uh, I'm not backing up. I'm not giving up what God's gave to me. And can I tell you, you and I don't need to give up uh, what God has given us in this hour. Right. And so we come to this text tonight. These are great and mighty men. Abishai is the honorable leader. The Bible says he was an honorable man. But when we come to Benaiah tonight, Benaiah, when you think about him in this text, notice a few quick thoughts, and I'll just move on very quickly. His reputation, Benaiah, the name Benaiah means Yahweh builds. Amen. It means that Yahweh builds. Now, what Benaiah knew was the same thing that all these other men, mighty men knew. They knew that any battle that was going to be won, any victory that was going to be given, that it wouldn't be them that did it. It would be God that did it through them. Amen. And so he's got this reputation as a mighty man. And if the Bible mentions his relative in verse number 20, he tells the son of Jehoiada, uh, the son of a valiant man. Hey, I want to say tonight the reason uh, that this young, this man, this young man, Benai, is a very valiant man is because valiant performance ran in the family. Amen. I mean, his daddy was a valiant man, and he just followed in his daddy's footsteps. Uh, and I'd say to all of us, Fathers here tonight, uh, we ought to remember uh, that we've got others watching us. Uh, uh, we've got others coming up behind us. Uh, and what we are is no doubt what they're going to be. Right, Amen. Right. And so, listen, he had an influence uh, in his life that helped him. And then his record is given here in verse number 20 and verse number 21. I mean, listen, he was to be a priest, uh, but instead of becoming a priest, he became a soldier. And eventually he became one of David's bodyguards uh, and then he served under Solomon uh, and he became chief uh, of uh, Solomon's uh, army leader and military advisor. I mean this man had a great record is what I'm saying tonight. But when we come to our text I want you to notice this tonight because it's what I want to preach on. We see his resemblance because when you look at Benaiah there's another character that emerges from him. There's another person that you see when you look at Benai. And really we don't see Benai, but we see somebody greater than Benai. Amen. You say, who are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, tonight when I look at Benai, I was reading this one day, and I thought to myself, uh, the more I read about him uh, and the more I looked at him, uh, he reminded me of Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you, his qualities, his character, his conduct, uh, uh, there's another 
person that comes forth uh, to the forefront of his life uh, that reminds me of Jesus. And can I say tonight, when people look at us, uh, it's not our personality that they need to see. It's not who we are that they need to see. But we need to resent, resemble, like Benai yeah. does, uh, a greater character, a greater personality. Uh, people need to see Jesus in us uh, just like we see Christ uh, in Benai. Amen. You say, what do you mean? Well, when I look at him tonight, uh, number one, I want you to see uh, that his Christ-like leadership, uh, I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, is seen in his foes tonight. You say, what do you mean his foes? Well, he's a picture of Christ uh, because of the enemies uh, that he has. Notice the Bible says in verse number 20 that he slew two lion-like men of Moab. And then he slew a lion in the midst of a pit in a time of snow. Then he slew an Egyptian. Amen. You notice he's got three enemies tonight. And that first enemy is two lion-like men. Amen. I mean, when you think... Think about these two lion-like men. Uh, the Bible said that they were Moabites. Uh, uh, the book of Psalms says uh, uh, that Moab was God's wash pot. I mean, listen, it's a picture and a type of the flesh. Amen. Now, there's two of them. Uh, and think about this tonight. The Bible talks about the lust of the flesh, uh, and then it talks about the lust of the mind. Amen. I mean, tonight, uh, uh, just like these two lion-like men, uh, uh, you and I have a battle tonight. Uh, and my friend, we battle the lust of the flesh uh, and we paddle the lust of the mind uh, my friend the filth of this world uh, it's ingrained in our system it doesn't matter how long you've been saved uh, it doesn't matter how long you've been serving God uh, do you realize tonight that the flesh uh, is just as much capable of doing anything and everything after you get saved uh, that it was capable right. of doing before you got saved Right. I mean just because you get saved tonight don't mean you don't ever have a lustful thought. Right. Doesn't mean you don't have ever have a lustful desire. And tonight, these two lion-like men were the enemy of Benai. And can I tell you, our flesh is our enemy tonight. That's right. This stuff that's wrapped up around us tonight, man's a body, soul, and a spirit, and this stuff that we're wrapped up in tonight, hey, it's not saved. I'm telling you, our soul is saved, my friend, but this flesh is not saved tonight. This flesh is the enemy of God. It must be crucified. It must be defeated. And tonight, these two lion-like men, they represent the flesh. Uh, and then this lion down in this pit, he's by himself. Uh, uh, this lion is down in this pit. I thought about another person that's going to be in a pit one of these days. Uh, in Revelation chapter 20, uh, the Bible said he saw a great angel coming down with a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of that old dragon, yep. Lucifer the devil, and he cast him in a pit. Amen. i tell you who this picture is. Uh, it's a picture of the devil. Amen. The Bible said in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, he says a roaring lion uh, walking about seeking whom he may devour. Hey, this man uh, is a picture of Christ uh, because he has the same enemies that Christ has, uh, the flesh, uh, the devil tonight. And then this Egyptian is a picture of the world. Amen. Egypt's always the type of the world, isn't it? And he goes down and he takes this Egyptian out. I'm saying benign is a picture of Christ and his enemies. Who is our enemies tonight? I think there's a lot of people, uh, they've forgotten who the enemy is.
Well, that's right. You see, the enemy tonight's not another brother. The enemy tonight's not another preacher. It's not another church down the road. Our enemy tonight, uh, it's not flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, the Bible said, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Hey, our enemy can't be seen with the natural eye. Amen. Uh, Jesus looked at Peter one day and said to him, Get thee behind me, Satan. Amen. Now, he wasn't saying Peter was Satan, uh, but what he was saying was uh, that there was an unseen power uh, that was using Peter. Peter is a tool against Jesus, amen? And Jesus just bypassed the flesh uh, and called the enemy for who he was. Uh, hey, the enemy's a thief tonight. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You and I have the enemy tonight. The enemies tonight uh, are the enemies of God. It's the world, it's the flesh, and it's the devil. You see, David only fought Goliath one time. He's a picture of the devil. He fought the Egyptians or the Philistines many times. The Philistines is a picture of the world, aren't they? But the, the worst enemy that David had was the one that he had to live in the palace with. It was Saul. And Saul's a picture of the flesh. And tonight I fear the devil. And I fear this world tonight because I'm no match for either one of them. I know God has promised us the victory. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. But tonight, I'm no match for this world system. I'm no match for the devil tonight. But the greatest enemy that we should fear of all is the flesh. Benign's a picture of Christ in his foes. And then he's a picture tonight of uh, Christ uh, in his fighting. Amen. Notice, my friend, uh, that he fought these enemies in this text. Uh, and I see in this text when he fought these enemies, uh, I see the strength of his fighting. Notice this. Uh, uh, these two lion-like men, uh, the Bible said he slew two uh, uh, lion-like men of Moab. Now, preacher, I got to looking that up one day. I thought, what in the world does that mean, lion-like men? Amen. I mean, I tried to find some commentaries uh, and read some things, didn't find anything. I just realized they probably was like me, didn't no more know what that meant than anybody else, amen. I said, Lord, what does that mean? Well, uh, to be a lion like men, I think it meant they were fast like a lion, amen. I mean, you can't outrun a lion tonight. Uh, it's a whole lot more faster, a whole lot more swifter uh, than what you and I are. And you know that this flesh tonight, it's more swifter than what we are. Um, this flesh tonight, uh, it's more conniving than what we are. I think it meant, it meant that they were faster than him. I think it meant they were ferocious. Amen. I mean, to look at these two men, and no doubt they stood head and shoulders. And no doubt they were broad men. They were strong men. To look at them would bring fear. I mean, if a lion was to come in here tonight, every one of us would have fear. Isn't that right? I think these two men were fearful. And I see in this text... Not only were they ferocious and fast, but they were fatal. That's what that means. These two lion-like men, they know, how to, they know how to take a man down. They know how to destroy a man. But what about Benign? He wasn't afraid of them. No matter when the odds was against him. 
No matter when they were bigger than what he was. No matter when it appeared that they could take him down. He goes in. He found strength from another source. And he overcome them. He defeated them. Hey, isn't that what Jesus did? He conquered this flesh. Amen. He, my friend, gives us a victory. You said, preacher, you can't over the flesh, overcome the flesh. No, I can't. But there's one living on the inside of me that's already overcome this flesh. He's already defeated at this flesh and he knows how to give us the victory he knows how to give us the strength I don't have the strength in and of myself but thank God there's somebody on the inside that can give me the strength to overcome these lying like men of my life I say he's a picture of Christ in his body the strength of his body I see the success of his fighting. Look what the Bible says here. He went down also and he slew a lion in the midst of a pit in a time of snow. I heard Brother Billy Gillsby preach years ago a message entitled How to Kill a Lion on a Snowy Day. And my friend, that's what benign does. He goes down. Now think about this preacher. He's done took out two uh, lion-like men. I don't know about you, but if I'd have been walking in a time of snow and I'd have found a pit, and in that pit, if I'd have looked in it and there'd been a lion, you know what I'd have done? I'd probably done what the rest of y'all done. I'd just kept on walking, wouldn't you? I mean, I sure wouldn't stop and paid him a visit. I've been to the zoos before, and I'm sure you have. And I've seen them lions and those big manes, uh, and I've looked at them. And you know what I thought every time I saw one? Probably what most of you thought. I thought, man, that's a sight to see. Uh, but I'm glad I'm on this side, and I'm glad he's on that side. Amen. But can I tell you something about benign? He walks by and he sees that lion in that pit. Uh, listen, he don't keep on walking. He doesn't look at it and say, well, I'm glad I'm up here and he's down there on oh, no. He goes down into the pit. He goes right where that lion is. And he takes that lion out. And he conquers him. Do you realize that he conquered the worst enemy, a lion? He conquered him in the worst place, a pit. And he conquered him in the worst conditions, a time of snow. Telling us that we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul said, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord but thanks be to God which giveth us a victory uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ uh, there is victory in Jesus tonight I see the success he takes a lion out in a pit on a snowy day Jesus came into this world and he defeated the worst enemy. He defeated him in the worst place, Calvary. He defeated him in the worst conditions on the cross. He took out the worst, uh, the most, uh, uh, greatest enemy that, that hell had. Uh, he took the devil down himself that day at Calvary. I'm talking about the success uh, of his fighting uh, and then the similarity of it. Uh, notice what the Bible says here against this Egyptian. The Bible said that he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. And notice this Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a staff. Now let me stop and say this. If I was going to fight a man with a, with a spear, I don't think I'd want a staff, do you? I mean, he went after this Egyptian. This Egyptian's got a spear and he's got a stick. You say, how could he do that? 
He's a great shepherd. You know what a shepherd carries, don't you? He carries a staff. He was skilled with that staff. He comes up against this Egyptian. And the Bible says in this verse here that he plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. You might say tonight, well, there's a spear and there's a and there's a staff. I mean, what could a man do with just two sticks, amen? How could he take a man down with just two sticks? I'm going to tell you, that's what Jesus did at Calvary. Do you realize that? You see what crucifixion was? It was a tool the devil used to send men to hell. The crucifixion tonight, listen, it wasn't something that people gloried in. When a man stood before the judgment bar and the gavel went down, and he heard the words Golgotha, his heart fell in his stomach because he knew he was going to die by capital punishment by the way of the cross. And the cross, my friend, was something that was dreaded. And what did Jesus do? I'm telling you, the devil used the cross as a great tool and instrument to plunge sinful man off into hell. But Jesus goes and he takes the very instrument, he takes the very tool that my friend Satan had been using. And my friend, he took it out of the devil's hand and he carried that cross unto the brow of Golgotha and he hung there on Calvary's hillside that day and I want to tell you what he did he suffered and he bled and he died so that you and I could be saved hallelujah he took it out of his own hand, amen. And because of that, the cross no longer sends men to hell, but thank God it leads them to heaven, amen. You see, the cross doesn't bring death anymore, but now it brings life, amen. The cross no longer brings punishment, but thank God it brings pardon. The cross, my friend, no longer is the end of a man's life, but now, thank God, it's the beginning of a man's life. The cross is no longer a burden, laid on the back of a man but as the songwriter said burdens are lifted at Calvary Calvary changed it all Calvary takes it all away he took the tool out of the Egyptian's hand and he smote him with it hallelujah he crushed the devil's head at Calvary he took him out with his own instrument, with his own sword, with his own spear. I'm telling you tonight, thank God, Calvary is not a sentence no more. But now Calvary brings salvation. Calvary is turned from a horrible place now into a holy place. And can I say tonight that Rome has fallen. Crucifixion has been forgotten tonight. But we that are saved, we hold high the bloodstained banner. We sing the anthem of the cross. We lift up the cross tonight. Why? Because he took it out of the devil's hand. Amen. And Jesus used it tonight to give great victory. Benign is a picture. He's a picture tonight of Christ in his fighting. He's a picture of him in his foes. Let me say tonight he's a picture of him in his finishing. You know I looked at this text brother Jordan and I thought the Bible says in verse number 20, who had done many acts. In this text, we have three. But he did many acts, the Bible says. But what I noticed, we don't know all the things that he did. But what we do know is that he has three battles, three different battles in this text tonight. And I want to say he's a picture of Christ in his finishing 
because he won each battle. He won every single battle. It doesn't matter who it was. It didn't matter if the odds was against him and it was two lion like men. It didn't matter what the conditions was, if it was in a pit on a snowy day. It didn't matter if it was an Egyptian coming after him with a spear. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying every battle that Benaiah faced, he won. Every enemy that he fought against, he defeated. Amen. You're not going to read anything here about him losing. Amen. And can I tell you, when you open this book and you read about Jesus Christ, every battle that he ever faced, he won. Every enemy that he faced, he defeated. Amen. You're not going to listen. You'll search the scriptures in vain tonight uh, to find anywhere where anybody ever defeated Jesus Christ uh, even on resurrection morning uh, thank God he come up out of the grave uh, and he defeated death uh, and he defeated hell and he defeated the grave uh, uh, just like Benai Christ won every victory every battle can I say tonight he's a picture of him in his finishing and then finally I'll close with this He's a picture of him in his faithfulness. Because what I notice about Benaiah, Benaiah does not quit. I mean, it doesn't matter. One battle after another, he's not quitting. He's going to face the enemy. He's going to get the victory. And friend, tonight we can't quit. He never gave up on us, and we ought to never give up on him. Amen. He didn't throw in the towel at Calvary, and you and I ought to not throw the towel in tonight. It doesn't matter. Listen, you can go back when you go home, and you can read. I preached every one of these uh, up mighty men, but they all have something in common. You know what that is? They were all faithful, regardless of what they were facing, regardless of how many they were facing, regardless of who they were facing. Uh, you know why they were faithful? Because they were all fighting for one cause, uh, and that was the honor of the king. Uh, they were fighting for David. Amen. And if they were going to die, thank God they're willing to die on the battlefield uh, uh, with glory in their soul. Uh, uh, but none of them lost to battle. Uh, none of them was defeated. They were mighty men. Uh, uh, they were fighting for David and guess what? Uh, David was fighting for them. Amen. And our heavenly David tonight, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ uh, if we'll fight for his cause uh, if we'll fight for the crown uh, if we'll fight for that heavenly country if we'll fight for King Jesus guess what? He'll stand in our corner. He'll lead us to victory. He'll lead us to the other side. Uh, he'll help us uh, to win the battles that we face. Because it's not just him. They're all a picture of Jesus tonight. You say, what do you mean? I mean, if you look in verse number 8, Dino is a picture. He reminds us you don't back up when there's more against you than there is for you. Amen. Jesus did not end. Listen, Jesus in the end, he had more against him. Even all the disciples forsook him. But just like a Dino, guess what? He kept plotting on. He did not quit. I mean, just like Eleazar, he reminds us you don't quit. Even when your hands get weary, the flesh gets weary in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus was at his weakest point what did he do he took the devil back to the word of God and he said three times it is written I'm telling you when he was weary he claved to that sword the very living word took the written word and reminded the devil where the victory is at it's in the word of God amen I mean just like Shammah Jesus my friend he took the stand he stood by himself but he stood for what was right and God was with him uh, just like he was with Shammah. Just like Abishai. 
Pilate looked at him one day, an honorable man, and he said, I find no fault in him. And just like Benaiah, Jesus at Calvary, he didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. He finished it at Calvary. Christ was faithful to the end. A faithful high priest. These men, my friend, their character, their picture is a picture of Jesus Christ. When you see them, you see somebody greater than them. And may I say tonight, when the world sees us, they ought to see somebody greater than us. You know what's hindered our services in a lot of places? Too much performance. Too much show. I'm telling you, I don't, you're right, brother. I don't come to church to be entertained to you. Brother, I'm telling you, listen, I mean, I like good singing. I like singing like we've heard tonight. Amen. I don't want somebody to get up here and tell three or four corny jokes, amen, and sing uh, uh, four or five uh, songs and put on a show, and then when it comes preaching time, they go outside and smoke cigarettes, amen. I'm telling you, listen, uh, and we pay them more money than what they're worth. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about them diesel sniffers, amen. Uh, I mean, they just pull up, you know, uh, and they got a $300,000 uh, bus, you know, and they got a cardboard cutting of all them, uh, and they got a table in the back. They're not interested in worship. They're not interested in preaching, amen. And they want you to see them. Amen. You didn't come to see me tonight. And I didn't come to see you. But if we all leave saying we've seen him who is invisible, it'll be worth every mile. It'll be worth every trial. It'll be worth every hilltop. It'll be worth every valley. It'll be worth every storm. It'll be worth every desert we've ever had to cross. If we'll just see Jesus tonight. Amen. If we see him. He sure makes it worth it all, doesn't he? And tonight, when I come to the end of this text, and I look at this man, I see somebody greater. I see a man that resembles the Lord Jesus Christ. What do people see when they see you? Who do they see? Do they see me? You know, I preached at a church not too long ago. I think it was up in North Carolina. And I've seen this before. When I walked to the pulpit, you couldn't see it. But when I walked to the pulpit, there was a plaque on that pulpit that said, Sirs, we would see Jesus. And I thought that's a good reminder for a man of God. Every time he goes to the pulpit, I don't want you to see me. We have a responsibility tonight, don't we? To point others to Jesus Christ. Do they see Christ in us tonight? The hope of glory as we stand to our feet. Benign, the Christ-like leader. I wonder tonight, Dad, do your children see Jesus in you? Mom, do your children see Jesus in you? If they ought to see Jesus anywhere, they ought to see it in the faces of their parents. Pastor, man of God, preacher tonight, does our church, do they see Jesus in us tonight? Church member, do people see Jesus in you tonight? Can your pastor, can he look at you and say, you know, he has, he has, she has. They have a Christ-like spirit. We're not perfect tonight. We know that. We're sinful men. But I'll tell you, we ought to bear the image of the king tonight. People ought to say, you know, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. I read that about Benign. I said, there's more to that man than 
than what meets the eye. It's Jesus tonight. Father.